KWVA. Mike Rowe here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines, power lines, fiber optic lines, water lines, and sewer lines all buried beneath your feet. And every 60 seconds, somebody digs into one. Look, if you're thinking about digging around, do yourself a favor and call 811 first just to find out what's down there. Trust me, you don't want to find out the hard way. Call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info. Now live at 6 o'clock, KWVA Sports is broadcasting from the campus of the University of Oregon. That's the show. It's Quack Smack. I like talking talking sports. Quack Smack! What? Quack Smack. Every Monday through Thursday at 6 p.m., the KWVA staff dissects all things Oregon athletics. <laughs> I'm, I'm experiencing life right now. I'm not sure how much more can be said. Quack Quack! Now I'm on the show, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. It's time for your nightly dose of Quack Smack. Now let's head into the KWVA Sports Studios for the show. The calendar turns to 2024, but we are back inside the KWVA Studios for the first time in the new year, outside of the bowl that we just called. So maybe not really the first time in the new year, but, you know, new headphones, uh, new year. I feel like there has to be a third something. New year, there. new me. New us, new KWVA. Except not really. A lot of the same people. A lot of new people. It's just I'm I'm so excited. But I realized is in, in listening to that intro is we're gonna have to change it because there's a couple Dylan Farrell clips in there. There's plenty of Ryan Milano clips in there. Uh, the Milano has not graduated yet. Will graduate in the next term i believe but yeah he just won't leave he, he doesn't want to leave he, he will not leave he will not no. leave us alone um must be a loner or something <laughs> i don't think he has any something friends. like that. i don't think he has any friends <clears throat> you might be you know hitting hit a little hitting a little too close to home there but uh yeah new year new us new kwva i'm his friend me too okay. just called the great game he's got us too and <laughs> that's enough right um yeah here we are austin oda Wilder Lewis, Jonah Brunel, forgot your name for a second. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. Gentlemen, how are we doing? How, how's, uh, how's two days of, of winter term going for us? It's going pretty good so far. Uh, yesterday, Monday, had three of my four classes in one day, but they were pretty chill. Don't start class until one uh, nice. any day except for Friday. So very nice. Got to just have my mornings. Made some pancakes this morning. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, having a good time. Classes seem pretty fun. I got a lot of friends in all of them, so should uh, should go pretty well for the new term. Wholesome. Yeah, I I, I would agree. It's uh, it was hard getting out of bed the last two days with all the rain and cold. Not a not a fan of getting back into that. No. But uh, you know, it was weird last night too, where I lived. I don't think it it was in a little pocket of Eugene. It's right on 14th Street by Pegasus Pizza and mm-hmm. Fat Shack that area. The power went out at around 11 p.m. last night. I was like sitting there. I was playing Madden actually. Listen to this. Getting ready for wow. Ma- getting ready for the Madden Bowl coming up here in KWVA Madden Bowl. I was playing Madden, and all of a sudden my TV just shuts off. The heater shuts off, but all the lights stayed on. My LED lights stayed on. My room, the kitchen lights were on. Everything was still fine. And then like 30 seconds later, everything just went black. Yeah, and it was just pitch black. Looking outside, I was like, it was 
It was ominous. It was weird. I had just watched the mo- the horror movie Annabelle. You guys seen that? No, but you guys I'm, watch I'm horror familiar. Movies? Uh, so I just not a big horror movie. I had just watched that like 24 hours previous to that. Oh, those and then are this the happened. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I was for a couple minutes. I was like, head on a swivel. Like yeah. where <laughs> where is it coming from? You know. But uh, yeah, and then they came back on around 2 a.m. But that was the first time I really dealt with like a full on power outage before i don't really that doesn't happen yeah in i was gonna say especially not like where you're from yeah, like you're not just doesn't you're happen in washington earlier this year or earlier last year i wasn't affected by it i was down here but my mom and brother's power was out for a couple days in a row um, that sucks because of a big storm they had so i can't imagine that. yeah it, it seemed That's, like they didn't have the most fun yeah i feel for those people that deal with that every year sometimes half the year doesn't sound particularly fun no, not at all. Not at all. You not particularly fun, just not fun. Right. But, there you go. But you know what has been fun? Your first couple days, Austin? Oh. <laughs> yeah, they've been fine. <laughs> just ruined his segue. <laughs> you just ruined <laughs> right, right into my segue. No, oh, my you're first so days, welcome. My first couple days have been fine. They've been they've been whatever. I uh, I really enjoyed my class today. Um, I really did not enjoy my class yesterday. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, but you know what has been fun? Oregon men's basketball. Really, really good start to the season. Uh, they've had good starts to the season in the past, in the past couple of years. Like, we, we know this. They've had parts of the season where it's like, okay, this team is really good right now. They're really strong. This is the, the best they've looked in years, whatever. It, I don't think it's, like, it, just in terms of, like, a vibe, it hasn't felt like this in a while. I know, Jonah, you've been here the last two years where it's been really kind of the most depressing years in Oregon men's basketball in a while. I know this isn't on the sheet, but I think just for for people who have been here for a couple of years, like it, it's a different feel, right? Yeah, there's a lot of young blood on this team. It's new, a lot of new, fresh faces. Um, but it's also kind of shocking. I, I didn't have very optimistic expectations for this team coming in this year. If anything, I was more optimistic about the women's team, and now that's completely flipped. Uh, and as far as the results so far, um, but twelve and three is is uh, I think more than what I think most people were thinking from this squad. Again, they're very raw and young, and they haven't really played much together at all before this year. I mean, you're talking about Infali Dante and Nate Biddle being the two, <clears throat> like, veterans of this right. team. Um, and everyone else, you know, Shellstad and, uh, and Kwame, who are getting a lot of playing time now, and really they've earned that playing time because they're playing well. Um, they're very young, but they're meshing well together. And you see it with the ball movement uh, and transition defense has gotten better and better every game. And 12 and three is, uh, is nothing to just put by the wayside. Um, I, I'm kind of shocked that they haven't gotten hardly any votes yet to even be yeah. in the top 25, which is kind of surprising, but that just shows you how competitive, you know, the D one landscape is, but I think if they just keep doing, keep going down this path, they'll get there eventually. I agree, and I I think the the whole like preseason perception is a big part of it. Where coming into the year, it was like who who is good on this team? It's Nate Biddle, it's Infali Dante, Jermaine Kuznard at times, and then a lot of unknown. Cario Quendo comes in as a transfer from Georgia. He really wasn't great there. He was a big high volume scorer, but he wasn't a high efficiency scorer. So you think, okay, maybe he's in kind of in the same boat as Jermaine Kuznard. Uh, Jesse Zorzuela comes uh, another transfer. He's okay. He's been hurt, but but you know, average ten a game. There are all guys on this team. Feels like everyone has played to a level more than what we've expected, and that kind of brings me to my next question: 
Wilder, we'll start with you. What has been the biggest surprise for you this year for Oregon men's basketball? Well, I think, I mean, just right off the bat, you guys mentioned it. The biggest surprise to me is how well this team is meshing, how well they're playing without their two big men. I mean, the the, the two stars on the team coming into the season get hurt. They And Fale Dante plays one game. I think Biddle played maybe one as well. And they've they've just looked like an entirely new face of a team with the, those guys out. Um, the emergence of some really good young talent and transfers, as we mentioned, Jackson Selstad, uh has really fought for his starting role. He's averaging just around 15 points per game. Um, Cario Quendo uh, came in a very solid, experienced player. He's dropping 20 to t- 10 to 20 off the bench on any given night if he gets hot. Um, but I think the, the one of the biggest things for me is just the elevated shooting, both from mid-range and three. Four players right now are averaging 400 or over, uh, including Brandon Rigsby, who has been just absolutely electric. He's shooting 480 right now, um, which is up from 277 last year. Um, just incredible increases in efficiency between the entire team. Um, they're also winning the turnover battle each uh, each game and averaging 8.1 steals per game as well. Uh, which is up from 5.6 at the end of last year. And it just seems like the team really is backing everybody. Like, the, everybody on the team is really just backing each other right now and just learning to play with each other. And it's really exciting to see the progressions that this young, talented, very small team is making um, throughout the courses of the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and you know what? It's also – this is a big start for Dana Altman as well because – there's a lot of talk. Austin, you mentioned the last couple of years, Oregon basketball had really declined. They were a constant tournament team, uh, whether it was, you know, a final a final four team to get in, or they're just they're a top twenty five and they get in. The last couple of years, they've been absent from the tournament altogether. They haven't even come close uh, in the Pac twelve tournament to try and make a bid to get into the tournament, the NCAA tournament. They haven't been a factor in the NIT, uh, and so. Dana Altman, head coach, kind of became almost like a hot seat type head coach coming into this season, and he's kind of answered the bell so far at 12-3 and three to start. Um, can't really do much better than that with the squad he has. Um, you know, in the Pac-12 this year, there's a lot of really solid teams, but there aren't really many yeah, it's, it top feels like, teams. And we'll get into this. Right. It's Arizona and then kind of everyone else. Correct. And so – while I think this is why the, the AP hasn't really noticed Oregon yet is because the Pac-12 is kind of weaker in terms of uh, strength of schedule um, and, and how good the conference is because, you know, got teams like UCLA and SC are down this year and everyone's kind of just middle of the pack. So I think that's what a 12-3 and record kind of falls empty to the AP poll. But regardless, the record shows 12-3. and They're doing what they need to do. Um, and that's huge for, for Dana Altman. Um, and to have him earn the the support of, of Oregon fans um, and, and get him off that hot seat talk. Yeah, that I that's been really big for for the Ducks. Is I think when when there's confidence, just kind of in the in the mindset of the the program and and the people around Dana Altman, like that's when the Ducks play better. Uh, and and it's shown so far where he's getting the most out of Brandon Rigsby, like you said, forty eight percent from three. Cario Quendo is a guy who was like pretty bad. As a, as a shooter for the last couple of years, um, you look at his first two years in college, 27% from three, uh, 43% from the field. He's up to 53% from the field and 44% from three. So he's become 
a legitimate option and and the top bench scorer for this team which I mean, since we've been here, at least Oregon really hasn't had like a bench scorer like that. So it's been, it, it's been fun to see. And, and you look down the lineup. Kwame Evans Jr. has been awesome. Jadrian Tracy off the bench has been awesome. Uh, Keyshawn Bartholomew was a guy that I thought was gonna be like the number one guy this year, uh, at least in terms of the guard rotation. And he really hasn't even had to play. So, just I, I feel like a lot of people um, really stepping up right now. Yeah, and in, in Oregon both women's and men's basketball they always get get the injury bug and yeah. they've obviously they've gotten it with their two really star uh quote unquote big players um and you know but guys like you mentioned Bartholomew hasn't even played that much and he was going to be considered probably one of the the starters and one of the key factors of this team and while he still has a big role I mean without him I don't know if they're 12 and 3 but with you know the <clears throat> the supporting cast of the young rookies highlighted by Kwame Evans and Jackson Shellstad, um, they're they're I think the backbone of why this team's been able to be twelve and three. I mean, without your bigs, without your two bigs, not just one but two of them, one that has NBA talent at that in Dante, and then Nate Biddle, who's off usually comes off the bench or rotates starting uh, games with Nfali uh, Dante. Without them, I mean, this whole time it's been over a month. They've still gone twelve and three, so I think I think it's you got to give credit to Dana Altman, a lot of credit to him as well. It's been really fun to watch. I, I've been pleasantly surprised by Oregon men's basketball, and kind of on the other hand, the Pac-12 as a whole, it feels like is uh, kind of on intersecting paths with with where football is going right now. Where where Pac-12 football in its last year was really on the way up and it had a great year. Um, obviously, had a representative in the Natty. Um, Pac-12 basketball does not feel like it's going to do the same this year. It feels like, like we mentioned, there's one really good team, Arizona, who uh, got destroyed by the Stanford Cardinal on the Cardinal home floor. <laughs> one of us in this uh, on this production was there for that. I'm not going to say who. Um, but then, like, kind of who not else? Me. Who who else for, for, for Pac-12 basketball? And that's what I want to get into right now, our, uh, our unofficial Pac-12 power rank. Eh, I don't know if we have time to do power rankings because we have five minutes until we have to do a call but we can we can kind of break down what we've seen in the Pac-12 so far so my my first question I think the most important question where does Oregon fall in the Pac-12 right now just I, I guess in, in obviously we have you know Pac-12 rankings uh, in terms of win loss but vibe uh in terms of like our power rankings our personal belief of where they sit where where are, where do you believe they are in the Pac-12 so Arizona is one Arizona still uh, really Arizona good. is undoubtedly one. They obviously they have the same record as Oregon on twelve at twelve and three, but Arizona's twelve and three is a lot different to Oregon's twelve right. and three. Obviously they got blown out by Stanford, but who's not going to get blown out when a team shoots sixty four percent from three yeah. against you? That game was obviously. so. It, it's pretty hard to say anything about that. Arizona is undoubtedly the number one, but then you look at the rest of the Pac twelve. You got Arizona State on ten wins, uh, Utah on eleven, Colorado on eleven. Washington State on ten, but they've gone one and three in conference. Oregon at twelve and three, four and zero in conference. I think, I, I mean, I think it might be a little bit of personal bias, but I think Oregon right now sits at number two in the Pac-12 for me. I think just on vibes alone, on the way that this team is playing, on the way that they're playing without a lot of their big players, um, with the new faces that they've done with Dana Altman's job of coaching, I think they're just behind Arizona. And given the day, given the place that they play, could potentially give Arizona a run for their money as well. Yeah, I think, you know, Arizona's the clear number one. 
Um, I don't think it's much bias, though, as to saying Oregon's number two. I mean, they are number one in the Pac-12 right now. Uh, them and Arizona State are tied for both 4-0 in conference. Uh, but, I mean, also with a 12-3 and record, um, I don't think it's much bias to say that Oregon's should be number, is second-ranked in the Pac-12. And then, yeah, you mentioned all those Utah, Colorado 11-win teams and Arizona <clears throat> State, Washington State. And that's what I was referring to earlier is there's a lot of just – there's a lot of solid teams, but they're not – there's no like threats, you know what I mean? Great teams There's no great up team. there with Arizona. I really thought like both of the SoCal schools were going to be so much better this year. Well, especially at USC. Uh, yeah, they're just like not good. Yeah, UCLA wasn't much expectations for them, but I'm I mean six and nine. I was not pretty, right. I wasn't pretty, expecting pretty, them to start one and three in conference. That's a pretty low point. Yeah. Um, so you you got those two teams on the downward so far this year, uh, which are usually at least UCLA is usually a a juggernaut of the Pac-12. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when you look at Oregon, you know, coming up, they got Cal, who's who's 5-10. and 10, But then they got Utah and Colorado on the horizon, and these are two 11-win teams, the next best in the Pac-12. These are these grunge games that Oregon's kind of had as of late with Washington State and Washington. Again, two pretty solid Pac-12 teams, Washington State with 10 wins already. Um, and then they, they've been able to go out and get wins. Um, and, and hard-fought wins. And so I think once they get out of the stretch and they can get one of their two big bigs inside back and Biddle or Dante, whoever comes back first, um, I think if they can get through the stretch, when they come back, they're dangerous. I think they can finally be noticed by the AP poll and they'll deservingly get into the top 12 eventually. I definitely think that with – if if Oregon continue to play the, the the way that they're playing right now with Shellstad, with Rigsby, with all of these other guys that are really elevated since uh, Dante and Biddle come back or went went away, uh, once Biddle and or Dante come back, especially Dante, if he starts playing at the level that he was playing uh, towards the end of last year and the level that Oregon fans have been able to see him play at, I think they really give a shot to run this conference and on any given day. I don't disagree. I think when you hear Arizona and you see the players on their, their, their team, you see Caleb Love and Omar Ballo and Ed Pella Larson, you see all these big names, they're a little more intimidating than in real life because they really weren't very good when I watched them. And, yes, Stanford shot, whatever, 64% from three, but it just looked like they were a little lost. Like if Caleb Love didn't have the ball in his hands at all times, that they weren't going to make anything happen. And, and so – I think Oregon's the number two right now. I think you just have to respect Arizona for what they've done over the last couple of years. Um, but I, I, I think Oregon is, is a Sweet 16 team as they stand right now. Uh, I, I've been really impressed by what I've seen with the Ducks this year, and I think there's there's a lot to be happy about there. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk to Justin DeHaas, who's becoming basically a weekly visitor on, on Mike Waxmack shows to talk some Arizona State versus Oregon women's basketball. That game coming up this weekend. A chance for the Ducks. To take a step in the right direction in Pac-12 play, we'll talk about that when we come back here on Quacksmack. KWVA. 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 For over 50 years, Help Heal Veterans has utilized recycled materials to create, manufacture, and distribute art therapy kits that help vets deal with pain management, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and many other challenges. Our kids help veterans find sustainable wellness in their lives. We are proud to help those who served our country. Our mission is to help our veterans. To learn more, go to healvets.org. 
That's HealVets.org. Sponsored by Help Heal Veterans. Students, when I call the reason for your absences throughout the years, please exit the auditorium without your high school diploma. <clears throat> Too tired. Family trip. Sick day. Starting the holidays early. Starting in the sixth grade, students who miss 18 days or more of school in a year for any reason will fall behind and risk not graduating high school. How many days of school has your child missed this year? Absences add up. Keep track at boostattendance.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. Mike Rowe here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines, power lines, fiber optic lines, water lines, and sewer lines all buried beneath your feet. And every 60 seconds, somebody digs into one. Look, if you're thinking about digging around, do yourself a favor and call 811 first just to find out what's down there. Trust me, you don't want to find out the hard way. Call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info. Hey, it's Mike Rowe, and I've got gas. Natural gas, that is. It comes to me through a series of pipes buried in the ground. Pipes that all too often get damaged by people who dig before calling 811. This causes real problems for millions of Americans like me who rely on natural gas to heat their homes and cook their food, but it's even worse for the people who hit the gas lines. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to be one of those people. Just call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info. UNICEF works across 190 countries and territories to reach the children and young people who are most at risk and most in need. As conflict escalates in Ukraine, UNICEF is on the ground providing safe water, emergency supplies, and social services to children and their families. Learn more at unicef.org forward slash Ukraine forward slash EN. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you prevent wildfires. Dude, I've got this. I've been camping since I was five years old. But I am a camping influencer. You know what? I'll bet you five bucks. Assistant Smokey, what is the best way to put out a campfire? To put out a campfire, drown with water, stir, drown again. Then make sure the fire is out cold by feeling with the back of your hand. Wait, really? I'll take the five bucks. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Hey, this is former KWVA sports director and mascot expert, Chris Clayton. You're listening to Quack Smack on KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. Back on Quack Smack to talk some Oregon women's basketball. Our 
middle segment of the night. Right now we have Justin DeHaas from Cronkite Sports at Arizona State. Justin, my good friend, how are you doing? Maybe. Oh, there we go. Justin, can you say that again? How are you doing? I'm doing well, Austin. Can you hear me? Yeah, thanks for coming on. All right, cool, because, yeah, you... Uh... You, you asked me at first, and I responded, and then I didn't hear anything. I was a little concerned, but uh, I'm, good to hear you, and thank you for having me on. I'm so sorry. Uh, thanks for coming on. Really excited to have you on again. I was saying uh, earlier that it, like you're you're basically a weekly occurrence on the show right now. I think this is your second time so of the I year, mean, third overall. Yes, and I'm, you also have me on first week of the semester. So, I mean, yeah, you can really start something here if you really want to. Right, and we might have to. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk. Um, so I know we're, we're on tonight to talk Arizona State women's basketball, but we just wrapped up our, our men's basketball section, and I think it's worth talking about them just a little bit because what's going on in Tempe? I, I think that was a team that really didn't have much expectation going into the year, but, I mean, they're perfect to start conference play. What, what's been the vibe around that team? The vibe around the team is fascinating, to say the least. You talk about not much expectation, I would say – Middle of the pack, pun intended, was probably where they were expected to be. And through conference play, they just got shellacked by BYU, Northwestern, TCU, like good teams that they played just folded in the first half. And you're just saying to yourself, okay, they could beat teams that are not that good. But then they play these good teams and they get smacked. Like, and even the team that they beat that wasn't great, like UMass Wool, they had to come back by 10 points in the last two minutes of the game. So, like, non-con play was not very good in some doubles. But you talk about undefeated conference play, they were trailing most of the game to Stanford and Cal in their Bay Area trip. And I didn't watch all of those games, but I honestly don't know how they pulled it off in both of those. It was Quite impressive to say the least. I mean, Grant Stanford and Cal aren't the greatest teams in the hey, Pac-12. Hey, 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 hey! Don't say that about Stanford. I mean, Stanford's not that bad, but um, Cal, we can all agree, is yeah, not great. Right. And so to to win those games was shocking in that fashion. And then come home, like Utah was a close game, and then they obliterated them in the second half. They just went out run. That was impressive. Utah's a very good squad. And then Colorado, I covered that game and very close throughout and the fact that ASU was able to pull it out at the end. Um, I mean, with ASU basketball, you've got this four-guard lineup that Bobby Hurley is rolling with, and it's kind of funny because, like, with ASU women's basketball, it's also a very guard-heavy lineup, so it's something going on in Tempe with the guards, but, man, 4-0, oh, I, I did not expect it, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I love to hear it. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think it's the, the world is better when the Pac-12 is doing better. Uh, and in its last year, you know, what, what better time to have a team like Arizona State kind of come out of nowhere and, and have a good conference? Uh, let, let's hey, move or, to... Oregon or, or and ASU. Look yeah, just like we all thought at the start of the year. Uh, let's move on to women's basketball with, with two of the more underachieving teams, if we're being completely honest, in the Pac-12. Um, for Arizona State, I mean, it's just been a really rough stretch for you guys recently, losing four of your last five. Uh, the the only win by four on a neutral site to Fresno State. So, hasn't been the year that Arizona State has wanted coming into the season. But 
the outlook for this weekend, I think, is good against an Oregon State team that is overachieving a little bit and, and an Oregon team that has struggled. What what have you seen? Let's just start on the on the offensive side. I know they lost some really big players coming into the year. What have you seen from the Arizona State offense coming into the year? If you were to explain this offense uh, to a first-time viewer, how would you explain it? Well, I kind of alluded to it before, how it's very guard-heavy. You mentioned um, losing a key player. That's Ty Skinner. Last year, she averaged 19 points per game. She's a player that transferred over from Delaware when Natasha there, the second-year head coach at ASU, came from Delaware. So she took Ty Skinner with her. And like I said, 19 points per game. Like She was the leading scorer on the team coming into her senior year, was expected to – you know, maybe be the best player again, and she tore ACL right before the season. So that was a heartbreaker for the team. Um, but talk about Jaden Simmons. She was also one of the leading scorers for the team last year. Um, she comes into her senior season as well. She's a, a veteran, been at ASU her entire career. Um, you know, so she's been able to step up, and she's played well, but um, the two things about them, and I'll talk about Simmons specifically because you'll see her in this game, is she puts a lot of points on the board, but she can also be a little bit inefficient while doing so. And it's funny because I'm looking at some stats right now, and she actually shoots better from three than she does from the field. She shoots 37.5% from three, and she shoots 37.3% from the field. So that just goes to show that, you know, she's a good three-point shooter, but – Sometimes I mean, the shot selection inside the arc isn't as good. Um, and so, you know, you look at her, um, another key player to look at is Jalen Brown. She went off against Colorado in the last game. She scored 35 points. That was a career day for her. And, um, so, I mean, you look at some of these scores, like I said, very guard-heavy, Jalen Simmons, Jalen Brown. Uh, Trey Chris is a, another guard, so... You know, your three top scorers are all guards, so, you know, maybe a little bit on the smaller side, but also quicker and athletic as well. Yeah, I wanted to actually talk about Treyana Crisp, because she's been really, really fun to start the year. She's a player that, again, didn't have a ton of expectation coming into the year, but has really improved this year. Um, true shooting percentage up 13%, shooting percentage up 12%, three-point percentage up 10%. She's been really good this year. What have you seen just in terms of the, the developmental side of those guards this year? Yeah, I think um, something about Trey Chris specifically is she's a local kid um, from Goodyear, Arizona, and so she's a sophomore. So, like you said, maybe wasn't expected to do too much. I mean, she had her freshman year, and, you know, that was cool and all, and she was able to come in. And, you know, I don't think she was necessarily expected to be um, a star, per se. I mean, she did go to uh, Vegas in the – a uh, little press conference that all the teams have before the season. So <clears throat> I think that shows that Adair really did have confidence in her. Um, and, you know, to send her and Simmons, like I said, Simmons has been a veteran of this team. And Chris is a little bit younger. But, you know, you have those two players um, who have been, you know, the head of the snake, if you will. And then you add in Jalen Brown to that transfer from Louisville. Um, you, you, you've got a three-guard lineup right there. And, yeah, three solid guards, to say the least. And I think looking forward for ASU, it's it's really important for this team to look at, at how young they are, especially in terms of the core right now, where Journey Thompson, who's been really solid this year, a, a sophomore. Kadidia Ture, uh, apologies if I'm mispronouncing that one, she's a sophomore. Trey Crisp, a sophomore. Jalen Brown, a sophomore. Yeah, you're losing Treasure Hunt, which 
is the greatest name in college sports history. It um, is. You're losing Treasure Hunt and, and Jaden Simmons next year, but I think the, the future for this Arizona State team is is really bright. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I mean, you talk about all those sophomores and um, underclassmen, and you also have to remember that Natasha there, the head coach, is only her second year. So you know, the fact that okay, last year was not good, let's be honest. One conference win barely at the end of the year against Oregon State. Who, that was like the one game that ASU was like, okay, like, you know, you could probably win that one. Um, but only one conference win and going into year two. Hasn't been a great start to conference play, as we talk about, not getting a win. But, I mean, look, if you get one here against Oregon or Oregon State, then, you know, heck, if you get two wins, that's uh, that's improvement from last year. So um, I think you look at the young players and you look at a coach who's just really in the beginning stages of a rebuild. They can really build something here. And also um, Ty Skinner's a senior, but she should be able to get her red shirt for not playing this year. So if she comes back and that really gives you a veteran to lean on, this could be a, a much better spot next year. Awesome. We have one more question for you. Jonah Bruno is going to ask you a question about uh, some men's basketball, and then we'll let you head out. But, Jonah, this one's all you. Thank you, Austin. Yeah, hey, Justin, it's Jonah here. So before you joined the show, us in the studio, we were talking about, uh, for the men's side, uh, we were talking about how the Pac-12, it's, it's Arizona State, the, or Arizona, excuse me, the clear juggernaut of the Pac-12, and then the rest of the Pac-12 is kind of, they're solid, but there's no real uh, juggernaut equivalent to Arizona. Uh, with that being said, uh, you guys you know, just getting wins against Colorado and Utah, two 11-win teams, uh, big wins back-to-back, now putting yourself in a 10-win season so far. Uh, you got Washington coming up and then two struggling uh, SoCal teams in SC and UCLA. Um, so I guess throughout until the end of January for right now, where do you see the men's team, what the ceiling is in the near future, and then also – uh, where do you see them come around uh, March potentially being at? Man, the men's team is so hard to predict because I gave you uh, a little bit of a synopsis earlier of how it started off bad and then it got a little better and then you know, not great again and now it's good again. So, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if it went the other way. But in all honesty, I think when I look at the squad and being able to cover them, they really have been rejuvenated by the addition of Adam Miller um, and having him and Frankie Collins leads the almost leads the entire country in steals. And they got a good, lot of good players. So I think I think they'll be a top five team in the pack. I think they could challenge for the fourth, maybe the third spot because you mentioned the LA schools, who I think everyone thought was going to be really good. They are struggling and. Yeah, I mean they they could bounce back, but right now they just don't look that good. So I think I think ASU could be a top five team in the pack, and if you're a top five team in the pack, it's probably on the bubble like they were again last year. Um, so I mean I think I think it's a very good squad, but I do expect a little bit of regression. I don't think they'll finish first in the pack um, like they are right now. But yeah, and Oregon's up there too. I mean you've got a couple good teams, but I'll say definitely top five and maybe four. Love the love love the optimism, and I love like again coming from two programs that really didn't have huge expectations. Love seeing them do some great things this year. Justin, thanks for coming on. Uh, as always, if we want to find more of your work, what are you covering this term? And I'll I will let you plug yourself this time. All right, what am I covering this term? Well, you can always find me on Twitter at the Justin Haas, obviously. Um, and then what else can you find me on? Well. Men's basketball, like we talk about, at Sports. 
Um, I'm also um, starting the Cronkite News Sports Bureau, which is at Sports Cronkite. Very confusing. Uh, but I actually started that today, so that was fun. Congrats. Um, and I'll find out. Thank you. And I'll find out what my beat is in a few days, so that's cool. Um, we also heard that our show, Salon 4, on Blaze Radio, which is the official radio station at ASU, is going to be Fridays, 7 to 8 p.m., so that would be 6 to 7 in the Pacific time zones. Um, so keep an eye out on that. But, yeah, lots of good stuff going on this semester. Just started second day of the term, so let's get it. Shout out. Well, thank you so much, Justin. Uh, I'm sure this will not be the last we hear of you on Quacksmack, but once again, thanks for joining us tonight. All right. Thank you for having me. Look forward to it. All right, that was Justin DeHaas from Cronkite Sports. That's going to do it for the women's basketball section when we come back. We'll talk some football, some Pac-12 football, some Oregon football, some national football. It'll be a great time. Football roundtable. We come back on 88.1. KWVA. 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 Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We go through safety training and try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. Dolly Parton's Imagination Library is dedicated to inspiring a love of reading. The organization achieves this by gifting books free of charge to children from birth to age five. The program spans five countries and gifts over one million free books each month to children around the world. If you want your child to receive free books, visit imaginationlibrary.com to check out availability in your area. Imagination Library. More American Indians live in poverty than any other racial or ethnic group. Since 1989, the American Indian College Fund has helped thousands of young men and women begin a path out of poverty as students at tribal colleges. As more American Indians see a college education as a way out of poverty, full-time college enrollment continues to rise along with a continued need for support. Help a student, help a tribe. Learn more at tribalcollege.org. A public service message from the American Indian College Fund. Hey, this is Joey McMurray, broadcaster for the Oregon Sports Network and former KWVA sports director. But he's wearing Adidas pants. You can't do that. And you're listening to Quacksmack. The national championship was last night. Uh, it just like wasn't a great game. That's that's my intro. Thanks for what listening. A, we'll welcome see you back. tomorrow. Welcome back. Yo, excellent TED Talk, Austin. Thanks, guys. I um I I I feel like I sounded like like a like a like a um, award show host there, being like, when you hear the start of their monologue, it's gonna end up being really bad. And it's like the national championship was last night, and then they insert like some. Random joke that really no one understands. Whoa. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the Natty was last night. It kind of sucked. Like, I'm not even going to lie. It, like, It was pretty good until the fourth quarter. It was, like, good until the half. I, eh. 
I don't know. I, on paper, I mean, I feel like it was pretty good. I, I think the final score doesn't really okay, – it does do justice how the game went, but also doesn't. I mean, it was a one-possession game till middle fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was so a, it it wasn't was a, a, it wasn't a blowout. It was a good game till the fourth quarter, and then Michigan started to run away with it. I, I will – yeah. Go ahead. Their defense was just too much. Yeah. I'll, I will say Michigan controlled the entire game for sure. Oh, yeah. But they, I, it never once looked like they were going to lose that yeah. game. But Washington hung around, so I wouldn't say it was a horrible game. It just wasn't – they couldn't move the ball in the second half much, and Penix was off. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, I mean Penix, Penix was hurt. Was like Penix was hurt. You He's could been tell. hurt all year, though. Like I, Well, Johnson jo- Johnson also was banged up from their, like from that first quarter when he rolled right. his ankle. Yeah. Like they, they had no run game because of that. Uh, Penix, you could tell, every after every play was like just visibly – uncomfortable more so than he's been for a lot this year uh but i mean in the end michigan just were too good their their offense just didn't have to do a lot because their defense held washington to what 17 points 20 points uh 13 13 yeah, yeah. well and it's going in I, I predicted a washington win i thought their offense is too much I, I knew you know michigan's defense is good but i, I thought washington was going to be just a bit too much but i did I w- I would say I was saying how th- there's two ways Michigan wins this. It's they run the ball 35 times and their defense shows up and holds Washington to like 17, and that's exactly what happened. They ran the ball 38 total times um, and their defense showed up and they shut down Penix. And I, I think it's it's a huge credit to the game plan of Michigan and and, Har- and Coach Harbaugh. Um, I think they don't. It's easy to crucify the quarterback and the players, but I think it's you got to give credit and, and focus to the play callers and the coaching staff that game plans for a championship like this. And I think Michigan just did that better. Yeah, I mean Michigan's game plan was better. the The coaching was better. I think DeBoer definitely got out coached a hundred percent. But I will also say I think it the Michigan definitely got to Penix. Uh, they they rattled him a lot, but I think he also just just didn't play great at all. I mean, there were multiple times where he missed a Dunze one on one or wide open, where he could have thrown up a ball like we've seen him throw up all year, uh, and just let his wide receivers make a play. But he really tried to force it into other options. I think the one play that I was really looking at was uh, on that. I think it was like the third down, late in the fourth quarter, when he threw that pick. He had a Dunze in a pretty good one-on-one, almost wide open, uh, and just kind of f- tried to force it to McMillan, um, which really cost them the game at that point. And, and it, I think it, it came from a little bit of Penix just feeling pressure all game. He had people up in his face all game. But it also just came from the fact that I think he just felt almost uncomfortable or lost in the moment as well. It was the first time I've really seen Penix to Odunze miss like that like it they that it just really hasn't I I hadn't seen the two of them specifically because they'll have Penix to McMillan games where it isn't great they'll have Penix to Polk games where it isn't great Penix to Odunze is always there um and it 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 was weirdly not yesterday and so I think both of them you know Michael Penix has been hurt all season Dylan Johnson uh just wasn't himself yesterday. He um, was also banged he up. He got hurt early. against Texas. And he, and he had been banged up since yeah, Oregon. Got, yeah, but then he also can, got hurt again in this game as well. Right, but he on. hasn't been the same or fully healthy since the probably Oregon. the late regular yeah. season Pac-12 title game. So, um, it 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 just uh, the game kind of sucked. Like, 
I, I, I just, I, yeah. It definitely didn't live up to the hype. Well, yeah. Going into it, Washington's offense wasn't there. Michigan's defense took control. I think it, it's a game that a lot of people expected, but it's a game that I think not a lot of people wanted to see. Well, well, and especially, did you see the how high the ticket prices were? Yeah. Average ticket price was right around, what, 1500 2K, Ooh. something like that? Who has that kind of money? Like, yeah. genuine question. Rich well, people. They, they, st- <laughs> they still sold Not it out. journalists I'm pretty sure they still sold it out. But um, I think it was, like, the highest since uh, 2017, um, highest ticket price. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I Sometimes... We always, we always want these barn burner <coughs> neck and neck down to the wire games. Um, I, I don't think this was a horrible game. I mean, it, it didn't go the way I think, uh, you know, us viewers wanting it to go with them. You know, we always want it to go down to the wire, two minute drill, make it close, but go into OT. I, yeah. This year, I don't know what it is, but this year I, I've gained more uh, respect for teams that can just go out and control an entirety of a game. And that's what Michigan did. And I, I kind of just sat back and appreciated it. And I saw it just as a solid football game. I mean, nothing too crazy happened. It was just a solid national championship that it was, again, one possession until middle of the fourth quarter. So it wasn't a blowout from the start. Uh, I will say the Penix interception out of the halftime locker room yeah, that pretty much help. pretty much set the tone for the entire second half. Yeah. But um, he just wasn't himself. And, and – uh, like you said, he was injured, but he was forcing throws. That interception out of half, I, I really don't know what he saw. Um, it kind of reminded me of the Bo Nix interception in the in the Pac-12 title game when he threw one on the sideline. Um, very similar. But um, I think it's just credit to, to, to uh, Jim Harbaugh and the potential farewell to Michigan. It was good to see him finally get a ring, though. Was it? <laughs> a little bit. And I, I think it's a fair. I, I think it's a farewell. Also, to I like Jim Harbaugh. Really? Yeah. <laughs> What's your grudge? I'm a Niners fan. Oh. Well, he treated the <laughs> Niners poorly. Yeah. The Niners also treated him poorly, though. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know what? He can go to L.A. be be a Charger head coach, and when the Niners play the Chargers inside SoFi and take over, it's basically a home game for the Niners. Do you think he's coming to the NFL? I think he is. I think I, I like think I think it's a farewell. I, unless he is so uh, attached to now trying to create a legacy at Michigan, which he already has, but in, like if he's trying to be a Saban of Alabama uh, and stay with Michigan for another decade, um, I see him. I mean, there's nothing more to gain from Michigan. He just won a national title. He won a Rose Bowl and undefeated all in the same year. There's nothing more for him to gain at Michigan. Uh, why not give go back to the NFL and get yeah, a no, big I, contract? I, yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. <laughs> For complete transparency, the uh, the folks over at Bushnell are struggling a little bit right now, so I got to help them out with that while you guys carry the conversation. Uh. So thanks. Let's move on to the next year top twenty-five. So ESPN released their next year top twenty-five earlier today, which is what I was alluding to in the outline. However, Wilder also wrote his uh top twenty-five for next year. So I said that he, we I would just let him. Like your outline was like unclear. Oh, take a look at the I I, I misread <laughs> it. Never mind, I misinterpreted it. So I just said we'll let him kind of like riff, uh, just read off his top twenty-five, and then we'll react to that. So you ready to listen to this one, Jonah? I'm stoked. All right, so I'm gonna do quickly twenty-five through twenty. These guys are the guys on the list that I just didn't want to put any higher, but I felt like they somewhat deserved a spot. 
SMU, Louisville, Clemson, Tennessee, Kansas, Kansas State at 20. Okay, wait. Let's react like to each five. Sound good to you, John? This is like a top 25 CFP reveal. This is funny. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, okay. Five at a time. Here we go. Say, say those again. SMU, Louisville, Clemson, Tennessee, Kansas are the bottom five. And those guys are all... Oh. Let's go. Uh, those are all just teams that I felt like deserved somewhat of a shot at the top 25, but I didn't want to put them in the top 20. Did you did you look at all? They revealed an early top 25. Did you look at that at all? Uh, are you just I, going based off your own? I looked at a list of college football teams. Vibes. I Strictly vibes. I Because uh, you put SMU in there, and I'm like, did you really just No, SMU is legit. Or? SMU is legit. No, I know. SMU I'm, finished this year so strong. It was so exciting. No, I know they're legit, but they put them in the early top 25, and I just I didn't know if you saw that or you no, just – No, I had no clue ESPN so released you just there. Put them in, you, just <laughs> yeah. put, you put them in there. Yeah, um, yeah, no. I you're felt paying like, attention. I felt like they deserved a spot. Yeah, yeah. SMU is legit. Um, former, like, football powerhouse – um, well, they could be next year. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, th- yeah, they <laughs> they could be. <laughs> Look at they're leaving you speechless. <laughs> um. Okay, I like it. Yeah, you ready for the next five? Yeah. All right, you got Kansas State, Iowa, JMU, mm-hmm. Florida State, Notre Dukes. Dame. Can- say okay. Say that again. Kansas State, Kansas State Iowa, Iowa, JMU, JMU, Florida State, Notre Dame. I like it. Like I think. Of those teams, uh, JMU is the one I'm like on the fence about, but they had a really good year. I'm a Duke believer. So um, I think Iowa, like, legitimately could be like a top five team in the country if they if had they had any an offense. offense if they could score one touchdown a game, they, they really would be just undefeated. need like Caitlin Clark to to go throw <laughs> touchdowns for them. And she probably could. Yeah, she probably could. Um, cool. I like it. Yeah, I don't really have any disagreements with that. Uh, Florida State's a little low, but... I think they're just going to lose a lot of people. Yeah, and I agree. And the way that they finished this year, showing that without their quarterback, they weren't a team Plus really Plus they're losing Duck legend Trey Benson. Yeah. I feel like they, they just, they're going to be in the fight still in the ACC just because it's just a weak conference. But I feel like they're not going to be where they were this year. Now, let's keep in mind, too, that we're going to 12 teams next year, not four. Yeah, yeah. that is true. Yeah. All right. Ready? Yeah. The next five. So, wait, wait, wait. So, this is 15 through 11. Yeah. So, now we're getting into playoff teams. Possible yeah. playoff teams, okay. yes. All right. Oklahoma State, Penn State, Utah, just missing out on the playoffs, Oklahoma, LSU. I like that. I think Penn State, like, this. I don't know why I still believe this, but I think Drew Allery's going to have a really good year next year. I think he has a, oh, really good, a lot no. of potential still. He was so bad this year. It, yeah. He was so bad this if year. If he's going to improve, he needs to improve, vastly improve. Yeah. I, I think he and – okay, this is a this might be a hot take, but I think him and J.J. McCarthy are pretty similar. I, I really don't I rate would, J.J. McCarthy. I, would I know have he just won everything. Until I've like watched him in the playoffs, I think J.J. is really, really solid. J.J.'s poised, but he just – He's he is the definition of a system quarterback. Exactly. I think their Michigan is so built around the run game. Yeah. That I mean, he threw sixteen passes when in you, the national championship. When you have Blake Corum and Dylan Edwards, it's like your RB three. Like you're doing fine. And we don't really know because obviously they didn't lose all year. But McCarthy doesn't strike me as a quarterback that can like bring, you, bring you bring you back when you're down. No, I agree. I don't see it. All right. I hope he proves us wrong. You ready for the top ten? All right, all right. We're going 10 through 6. Let's hear it. Washington, yep. Ole Miss, yep. 
Arizona, yeah. Missouri, Michigan. Michigan I at love six. Arizona. Why Michigan? Eh. I feel like they're going to lose more than they're going to gain. Yeah. And I think the top five teams all are going to beat them next year. Maybe, um, I think Ole Miss losing Quinshawn Junkins really hurts. Yeah, that's why they're at nine and not above Arizona or Missouri. I think if Michigan loses Harbaugh, I think they can drop that far. But I think if they keep him, I think they stay a top four top team. three, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. It'll be I, dependent on how this offseason goes for them now that they're officially done playing football. Yeah. They, they, they will need a quarterback next year, right? Well, McCarthy's staying. Oh, he is? Yes. Oh, just kidding. Yeah. I should have so, yeah, That's my bad. He uh, hasn't declared yet. Yeah. Um, I I think they would stay top four. I, going back real quickly, you had LSU where? At 11. 11. Okay, that's about right. I know because in 2025, they have the number one quarterback recruit, running back recruit, and receiver recruit. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So 2025 to 2026, ready. they're going to be good. Get ready. They're yep. going to be really good. But I think next year they're going to have another year where they kind of sit like the second, third, fourth team, right. fifth maybe even in the SEC, but still get into now the 2L team playoff. See, this? yeah, that's another thing too. It's hard to put in like now with all this realignment. These teams are going to be playing each other a lot, so it's hard mm-hmm. to figure out who's going to be over who. Yeah. You know. Uh, all right, you ready for the top five? This is definitely a little bit of bias coming into play. Little, little tiny bit. Little right. bias. Bama, just Bama at five. Okay, Ohio Griffin. State at four. Georgia at three. Who's going to? Oh, no. Just Oregon at two. Okay. Texas at one. Okay, oh. say it again, but slower. Bama. Ohio State, Georgia, Oregon, Texas. Texas. I genu- I don't think Texas it. is the best team next year. I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I'm also I think just, Georgia's number one. Um, I the yeah a little bit maybe. I just don't like them. Um, <laughs> Who does? I think I, I'm just really excited to see Archie Manning play if he does and see what he can do with Texas. And I but think you think okay, so you think his first year, he's, you think he's going to take him to the top right yes. away? Yes. You think he's wow. like Lawrence good? Yes. Wow. I think he's. Wow. I think he's good. I think he is. He is the guy. Have you seen him play high school football? I've seen Did one you? game. And oh, one game. <laughs> that was it. Wow. <laughs> that one game. Yeah. It's gonna no. take him there. I mean, I also, I also just really don't like Georgia, so that's why they're three. Realistically, they're probably one. As much as I just don't yeah. want to admit it, Oregon's too a little bit because of bias, a little bit because no, they're the I, third, I think they're they're the third like best recruiting team. class in the yeah. country right now. Did you guys see Dan Lanning also on the uh, yeah the halftime, halftime show? Yeah, heck yeah. yeah, a little bit sad. He had a little O on his on his suit. Had I saw a tweet. He definitely was a little depressed up there. Yeah, I saw you a think? tweet after the game that was like surprised Dan Lanning didn't drop a duck emoji on Twitter right after the game, like flipping three recruits. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been the, the most damn thing to do, like on the halftime show, actively getting recruits to sign for him. I feel like as he was talking about Washington in that game, he's like also breaking down in his head, like oh, we should we should have done this. We, we should we, we could have won. We could have been here. <laughs> we really should have pressured Michael been Penix. Here. Yeah, yeah uh, no, but I think that's that's like where I sit right now. The top three I think are interchangeable between. Texas, Oregon, and Georgia, uh, Ohio State, and then Bama at five. I also think back. You said Washington was at nine, ten, ten. They could be lower only because they're going to lose Penix. They're losing a lot of that offense. Yeah, a yeah. lot. They're and they're going to the, and they're going to the Big Ten. Because McMillan declared today, yep. I believe. Oh, mm-hmm. going to declare. Penix gone. Penix gone. It's going to be interesting to see the rebuild for Washington. And they're going to the Big Ten. I, yeah. I think they're I, top I think, 25, but it's going to be hard. I think Washington could potentially drop 
like into that 15 through 11 spot. Yeah, sure. the one Griffin Bowes take that I've ever agreed with in the Slack is is saying that like it's going to be harder for DeBoer when his when it's when it isn't kind of the leftover Jimmy Lake guys cuz I I do think the Jimmy Lake ta- teams were really talented. It'll be interesting to see his actual team. Right. But uh yeah. I I liked your top 25 Wilder. Proud yeah. of you, bud. Not bad, yeah. I uh-huh. improved on my top 10s from last yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, looking forward, we we alluded to it a little bit. What worries you about the Big Ten? Pretty, pretty open ended question, Jonah. Uh, it's just a different brand of football for teams like Oregon and Washington. Uh, Pac twelve is 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 known for the high offense, you know, high flying offense, not too much defense. Whereas we just saw it in Michigan, Ohio State of the world, they play hard defense, and while Michigan doesn't put up you know, 34 points a game like they did in the national title game. But normally they don't usually have to do that. Uh, they're going to stop you on defense. And so uh, with that said, though, I think Oregon's set up for really nicely next year with Dylan Gabriel coming into town um, and Dante Moore. It's going to be a battle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But whoever wins that, um, I would expect Gabriel. It's got to be Gabriel. Yeah, he would expect I think Gabriel. Dante knows he's sitting for a year. Yeah, but – I think um, it'll help him grow a lot, though. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, congrats, uh, Ty Thompson, going to Tulane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm, for I'm him, excited man. to see I, what he can I'm do. I'm really at happy yeah. for him. He'll be the starter. Uh, but uh, I think I think it's Oregon's be, uh, set up for success better than Washington is next year. Again, we just alluded yeah. to all I the players out of that out of Washington's of, losing. Out of all of the Pac-12 teams, Oregon set up the best. Yeah, 100%. I think for sure, no doubt. Um, but. I, it's going to be hard. They they got they got Ohio State on the schedule, right, next year? Yeah, Ohio mm-hmm. State and – or no, Michigan and so Penn State. Michigan and Penn State. We might uh, – are we hosting Ohio State? I know we're going to Michigan. Oregon yeah. is going to Michigan. Uh, we, do we, host we did Ohio find State. out today, I believe Hawaii is off the, the schedule, okay. which I'm very sad about. Uh-huh. Uh, the Oregon hosts Hawaii game. Yeah, Oregon hosts Michigan State and Ohio State. That's what it then is. Then they go to Purdue, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Okay. It's just I'm excited to see. I mean, Oregon in the big house. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. so be excited for just that. Like I think a dream. The one thing. Sorry to kind of cut you off, Jonah. The one I thing that it. does worry me a little bit is the travel between games and just kind of seeing how that affects the team. I know they travel all the time, like anyways, and a team shouldn't be affected by the travel. But they're playing in different like climates. No, it's going to be different. Yeah, it's going to be different having to leave an extra day probably before the games to get out to the east like the eastern part of the state um also just the level of play i think there's a lot better the the top teams are a lot better quality but then the bottom teams are a lot worse than the pac-12 so it'll be kind of interesting to see how that affects the ducks as well as you were kind of saying jonah it's not an air raid uh conference at all right and i well and it could become that with this mirror alignment <laughs> who yeah. knows but um i think with the traveling thing you mentioned i think yeah, it might have a little effect, but it, everyone's on the same playing field. I mean, everyone's on the same boat with that. So I don't yeah, think now the East, they have to Eastern come teams. Are yeah, I don't think it's yeah. going to make much of an effect. I think once the game starts, you're always talking about like, you know, you think about it in your mind. It's like, oh, man, it's going to be tough. It's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy. Um, you know, as a player, you're probably not feeling great. But once you once game starts, you're you're locked in. You're not even paying attention. Yeah, to the weather. I think it'll just kind so of be a, a, interesting know. to see, like, kind of how they restructure their, like, week-to-week basis with the long travels. Yeah. I'm excited, though. It's going to be great. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Big Ten football next year. And that's a wrap on college football season. It's a wrap on college football season. The last I ever have to talk about college football season until next year. Uh, but I do love talking college football, so I can't complain. Hey, thanks for joining us tonight. Wilder Lewis, Jonah Bruneau. My name is Austin Oda. We'll see you tomorrow night for Knight Yuretsky's first show of the year, I believe. So thanks for joining us. Tune in tomorrow for Quack Smack. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>